heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. Well, hello there, Growth Junkies, and welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. Uh, my name is Kent Dalhuse. I'm one of the hosts, and I'm joined by my other co-host, Mr. Ben Boast. Ben. Yes. Want to say hi to folks today? Hi, folks. Ah, very nice. How are you, Kent? I'm doing good, Ben. <laughs> I'm doing well. It's nice to be back. It is. It's great to be back here. Yeah. I'm looking forward to some fun stuff we're going to discuss here, you know, not only today, but over the next few episodes. That's right. Yeah. In fact, uh, today and for the next few episodes, we're going to be getting into the process of character structuring. And this is a term that that we've used to describe the formation of someone's character, which is sort of the internal architecture of a person. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, developing our external architecture, which is our bones and our muscles and our bodies. But what about the soulish part of the person? What about the spirit? What about your heart, your mind? And so uh, your, your soul. And so we want to focus on the character of a person. And so we want to spend time kind of explaining what we mean by character structuring uh, and about wanting to really build up the character to be able to handle all the demands of life, this durability uh, concept. And so there are actually four areas that we, we kind of break this into. Um, and they are emotional, relational, worldview, uh, intellectual, or vocational. And so these are four categories that we get from a structure actually created by Jesus um, way back in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus talks about uh, loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. And from those four kind of categories of a person, Jesus seems to describe us as, as four-dimensional people. So it, the idea there is that we're supposed to love God with all of ourselves. And that's not just physical. It's also spiritual, emotional, relational, and all the rest. So we really uh, built our model of the four dimensions off of that great commandment. Um, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we just use different terms, emotional, relational, intellectual, and vocational. And so we're going to begin today by talking about the first four of the four, uh, emotional, which is uh, emotional processing and learning to like love God, love others, to live life um, by knowing how to have a healthy emotional life. So we have a lot to say about emotions, and it's probably a little <laughs> bit weird, Ben, that there's two guys, two dudes talking about emotions. You know, I, my wife would probably say, actually, it should be her here in the studio and maybe your wife talking about emotions. Well, right? it's funny. My wife would probably say the opposite. You know, <laughs> like we tend to be wired mm. different. I, I tend to be wired very emotionally and sensitive, you know, where my mm-hmm. wife would be like, oh, he's the more sensitive, emotional one, mm. you know, and and. And it's and that's okay, you know. The reality is that everyone has emotions, and I and I think culture has indoctrinated us in many different ways of how we're supposed to think about our emotions, mm-hmm. you know. And even going back to the passage, you know, that that we've built this off of of the great commandment, you know, I for many many years you hear that taught, and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of love God with all of you, and that's where it stops. You know, it never proceeds beyond into a place like we're going, mm-hmm. we're going to break it open and, and actually explore these things. You know, what does it look like to love God with our heart? You know, like we'll discuss today to mm-hmm. process life emotionally in a, in a significant and healthy way, mm. you know, which is an incredible conversation to have. Yeah. And we're going to have it. And, and so maybe it's good just to know that, that Ben's going to be my work wife 
<laughs> well, thanks a lot. What does that make? What does that make you to I'm me? I'm the work husband. Oh, oh. Well, and the the reason why is because I I I'm going to admit to you, growth junkies, that I am not naturally uh, in tune with my emotions. And I would say uh, ten years ago, uh, not even five years ago, would I be having this conversation because emotions were not on my radar. It's not that I didn't have any emotions. I kind of had maybe one or two. Mm. I was either happy or angry. Mm. Like that was my range. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm a type A driver kind of person and typical of people wired like me mm-hmm. is to be sort of uh, cold hearted, <laughs> logical, <laughs> intellectual, not emotional and feelings are bad. You can't trust them. And mm-hmm. so I kind of grew up in that world, kind of mm-hmm. believing that. And I embraced that for most of my adult life until a few years ago when I had a major breakthrough because of a personal experience where I realized that emotions were something that's very important Mm. and I totally disregarded them. And it was to my, to my falling apart, you know, it it didn't help me. So I actually, I really respect and appreciate the fact that Ben, um, is emotional in a healthy way. I've had to learn to be emotional in the last few years. Well, I would say my learning has been different. I mean, you reference it as being emotional in a healthy way, which I would say is accurate and true today. Mm-hmm. Early in my life, I was very emotional and and driven so much by emotion, I couldn't see straight. Mm. And then when I went through depression and anxiety and all that struggle for seven years, my emotions shut off. Okay, It's like the spigot stopped. Mm-hmm. And that was like the hardest thing for me is, well, how do you turn it back on? Like, And why did it shut off? And all of these things that went on for me. And so as, you know, through the process of maturity, character structuring, understanding how to have a healthy emotional life, that spigot started to come back on in an appropriate way. Mm. I began to understand my emotions for what they were, how God designed them, how to use them appropriately. So my learning was was different, you know, mm. in that regard. And sometimes that happens to people. You know? So maybe you can relate. I mean, growth junkies, you probably come from two different perspectives. Maybe you grew up in my world where emotions didn't count. And maybe maybe you grew up in a home in which only one person in the house is allowed to have any emotions. Mm-hmm. And so everyone else sort of shut down. And oftentimes it's a parent or, you know, like a mother, for example, might have a lot of emotions and the kids feel like they're not allowed to express them. Yeah. So maybe you grew up in that environment or in a world that really, de- you know, devalued emotion or didn't value it. So like, for example, if I were to ask the question, um, how many of you, I'm asking you growth junkies, how many of you out there grew up in a house when you had anxiety, sadness, or anger, were told to go to your room and change that frown, turn it upside down and come back out <laughs> when you were happy again, right? right? Yeah. Like how many of you did it? I've back asked when this you question. Figured it all out. Oh yeah. I've asked this question before to people and I, I like the vast majority, a, a lot of people grew up in that kind of a house where either because one person was allowed to feel emotions and the kids weren't, you were told to go to your room and change your attitude and come out when you could smile again and be happy. And so emotions like anxiety and sadness and anger were bad. Those are bad emotions. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a world perhaps a lot of us grew up in. The other world would be uh, maybe where there's too much emotion and you have to rein it in. Yeah. And so that sounds like that was your world. Ben. Yeah, and truth be told, people control environments with emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, people can control environments, you know, whether it's an organization and a business where you have, let's say, a CEO who's very dominant and controlling and and uh, uses that to control the environment through anger or manipulation mm-hmm. or things like that. You have those kinds of things. You have homes where someone's emotionally volatile. Yeah. And and that was definitely similar to the home that I was raised in. And mm-hmm. when that happens and it pops, 
in all different ways. Everyone's running for cover and figuring out how do we how do we handle this and manage it and live life in the midst of because it's so unpredictable. Mm. But it shows up in different ways. And I think it's a great point of reflection for any anybody who considers himself a growth junkie to go, what was it like to grow up in the environments that I've been in emotionally? Mm. And what has it taught me about emotions? But also even the environments we've worked in or or learned in. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go into relationship and environments with people where feelings are expressed, you don't often get uh, a disclaimer before the sh- the emotions show up. Right, they just happen. Right, and then you're left to have to deal with the results, mm-hmm. and that could be one of the most challenging parts of of finding an emotional balance or understanding how to deal with emotions in a healthy way. Yeah, and so it sounds like we kind of represent two perspectives um, coming at the same point from different directions that some of us grew up in homes in which emotions are depressed, others in homes in which emotions are encouraged or volatile, as you put it. So either way, we can become unhealthy emotionally. So yeah. either we're repressing the emotions like I did, or perhaps it was just out of control and needed to rein it in. But then you had to find a way to turn the spigot back on and to let the emotions come back. Yeah. And so th- whatever the case is, we hope that you can relate to what we're talking about because f- fundamentally, bottom line, we are emotional people. We are. We're, we're born emotional people. Look at babies. There's a lot of emotion that comes out of babies. Yeah, we're given a heart for a reason. That's right. And so yeah. emotions, they're natural, they're normal, they're part of life. And yet for some reason, we've reacted strangely to them mm-hmm. as though they're scary, mm-hmm. as though they're bad. So for example, in, in the world of emotions, there are two kinds of emotions. There are positive emotions and there are what's called negative emotions. So like anxiety, sadness, and anger would be considered a, a negative emotion. But here's the thing. Negative doesn't mean bad. Right. And positive doesn't necessarily mean good. Right. They're just emotions. Emotions are really amoral or non-moral things. They're not good or bad. They're just ways of expressing. And you can express anger in a healthy way or in a non-healthy way. Yeah. But if you try to stop the anger and cut it off and hide it, then you're going to stunt that and it's going to come back to haunt you in an awful way. And that's what happened to me. Yeah. And another way to say it would be emotions that where you fall on the high side of life and other emotions where you fall on the low side, mm-hmm. right above or below the line, mm-hmm. right? If there's the baseline of balance and you start to look at, you know, moving above and below the line, there's some that, you know, flow below the line, you know, sadness and depression, like you talked about, or, or sadness. I don't want to use depression and confuse mm-hmm. that category. Cause often people use the word depressed today to describe the emotion of sadness. It's not the same thing. It is not right. You know, depression is a diagnosable condition. Right. And so we want to make sure that we're, we're clear about that. I think one of the complexities we face today culturally, when we approach the concept of emotions is the fact that we have drifted into a society that is really driven by emotion. Mm. I mean, we are we are giving more validity every day to the the emotional uh, realities of life, mm-hmm. and this is a, a philosophical and cultural shift that's happened over probably the last seventy five years in our country. But we've landed ourselves in a place where more and more you hear people in media, arts, entertainment, whatever, articulating that they trust their emotions for truth or mm-hmm. reality. Mm-hmm. And that is incredibly difficult place to be. So this is a caveat. It's a bit of a warning that there's there's a safeguard here. Yes. Because when we talk about emotions, even as we validate emotions, and they need to be validated, um, and depending on where you're coming from, but but at the same time, there is there is perhaps 
a lack of trust that you should have in every emotion that you feel. You should you should scrutinize it. You should you should wonder why where it's coming from and why you feel it. But if if your feelings become the measure to which you make all your decisions, you can make some bad decisions. So to me, like we are integrated human beings. So we're emotional, but we're also intellectual. So the thoughts and the feelings have to come together when you make good decisions. So it's not an either or. It sounds like it's both, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and we have to be aware of that. You know, we also have to be aware. I think a great starting point is is understanding how emotions are designed to integrate into life, Mm -hmm. right? If we don't have a purpose or understanding for emotions and the reason they exist, Mm -hmm. it makes it really difficult to know how to utilize them. Uh, what to obey or not obey, I guess, is mm-hmm. an interesting way to say it. Uh, but they're not great indicators of truth and reality. Mm-hmm. And you hear more and more articulations today of of people saying, you know, whatever your truth is, is your truth. You just have to find it. It's on the inside of you. Yeah. You know, whatever makes you feel good, do that. Right. Well, there's plenty of things that feel great, but you don't ever want to do them. Yeah. So don't misunderstand us. What we're saying here today is that emotions, they need to be weighed in the context of truth, you know, and, and understanding. And so you, you've got to, you've got to put a safeguard around it. All, All feelings need to be reined in. They certainly need to be reined in. At the same time, there's also a distrust, a general distrust of emotion. And that's the world I grew up in, that we need to validate it and say emotions can be good. For example, um, being sad. One of our natural reactions is I keep thinking of the Dumb and Dumber movie, you know, where he's he's crying it out and, and his friend, you know, hugs him. He's like, let it out, let it out. And then like 10 seconds later, he's like, OK, that's enough. Stop. Like that, That's enough drama. So like being sad is OK for a second. Yeah. But don't you know, don't drag us all down with your drama. Save it for your mama. Right. <laughs> So sadness can be an emotion that we're uncomfortable with, but we should be in a place where we should be able to admit that sadness is good. It serves a purpose. It's part of the range of emotions we're supposed to feel. I mentioned earlier that my range was pretty much just two. It was happy or angry. Mm -hmm. It was like nothing in between. But there's a scale of emotions that we should feel. And there's, there's terms. And there's concepts for all these ranges of emotions we should right. experience. You've got to give voice to those those emotions. You've got to express them. Yeah. So when you shut them off and don't allow yourself to experience them, it's going to come back to haunt you at a point in the future where it just explodes out of you. And that's yeah. what happened to me. So if your only emotion is anger, that's not good. Right. If your only emotion is happy, that's not good either. So there should be a range in your life where you're experiencing on any given day or week or month or year, a whole range of sadness and anger and happiness and joy, frustration and enjoyment. All these things should be part of your natural experience. And so what we want to do is validate the range of emotion. And in fact, as you grow in your character structure, Mm -hmm. that internal person, you should be able to give voice to those emotions and embrace those emotions. So that's, that's what the purpose is here. And so our goal and encouragement to you in having this conversation is number one, to create the parameters around emotion that need to be created, but also to validate the emotional growth that we need to have. Because in my experience, a lot of people end up polarized one or the other. Emotions are everything or emotions are nothing. And I think categorically too, you know, like on the other side of the range of happiness, for example, I think most people view happiness today as an emotion. Mm. Well, the reality is emotions are often an expression of an internal character quality, mm-hmm. right? So a person ex- is experiences, a person who experiences who's, or someone who's very happy mm-hmm. 
what that tells you is hopefully they've internalized the quality or the development and building of a happy life, right? I think a great example would be gratitude. Someone who is internally thankful and has developed that virtue Mm -hmm. often feels uh, gratitude, Mm -hmm. right? They feel like very grateful for the things that they have in their life. Mm -hmm. Our emotional expression is, is a result of something built somewhere else or not built into our life. And that's especially with happiness. It's an, and we will get into this in great detail in, in episodes mm-hmm. to come. You know, how we view it is critical. Right. That you know, the way I say it is it's happiness is formed and it's felt. It's not mm-hmm. just felt, mm-hmm. which is really the message of our culture is is to feel good all the time. And if you're not, if you can't feel good all the time, you're mentally ill. I I really think that that's kind of where we landed ourselves. Wow. And that's incredibly horrible place to be as a society. Yeah. If I can't be happy all the time. Yeah then there must be something wrong with me. Well, and I think what a distinction that needs to be made here is that I, I feel this is that there's almost like this physical health and mental health. But I'm sorry, folks, there's a whole nother category. It's called emotional health. Yeah. And it's not the same as mental health and, and let alone physical health. Right. Emotional health is where we all live. So, some of us will have mental, you know, health issues. Mm-hmm. And that, that can be common. You and I have talked about openly on this podcast right. about our own struggles with that. Sure. So some, many of us will have that experience, but all of us will have emotional issues. All of us because we're emotional beings. And so what I want to do, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the source of our emotions. Like, where do they come from? And I just want to, because I think it needs to be said, you know, Ben Ben and I have talked about how we are Jesus followers. And so we believe in the Bible, we believe in the story of scripture. And so if you go back to the very beginning of the meta narrative of the Bible with God creating everything, the culmination of creation is, is mankind. So God creates Adam and and he infuses Adam and Eve with his image, this imago Dei, or the image of God that's given to human beings that gives them certain things that they share in common with God. And so those things are like creativity. I wrote my dissertation on this, actually, mm-hmm. on how we, we share creative abilities with God, who is mm-hmm. the ultimate creative. We also have r- rational capacities that we share in common with God, the ability to think and make decisions and to have dominion and so forth. But there's also relational things that we imitate from God. God is a relational God. Uh, Christians believe in Trinity in which God exists in Father, Son, and Spirit. So this is eternal relationship, this intimacy that happens between the three members of the Godhead. Mm -hmm. So relationally, we're made like God to need relationships, which we'll talk about in the next podcast. But emotions, God is an emotional God. It doesn't take long to look at the Old Testament and see that God gets angry and God gets sad. You know, he goes through the range of emotions and he doesn't hide them. He doesn't apologize for them. You know, he gets really frustrated with the nation of Israel. He gets really frustrated with people before the great flood, right? This big destruction because of how people have totally turned against him. And so you, you see evidence of an emotional God. And he never apologizes and he made us in his image. So we have those emotions too. And so why should we apologize for emotion? <laughs> it's like, it's like we're supposed to feel bad about feeling the same emotions that God feels. So if God can feel the emotion, why can't we feel the emotion? It comes from God who made us and we're made to be like him. Right, yeah. Ben? Yeah. And we have to be, we're made to feel the emotions, but we also have to be thoughtful and responsible with our emotions. Right. And I think that was one of the biggest things I learned was at, in a, in a process of maturing and growing was I have to take responsibility for my emotions. Like I can't just wander around, you know, flinging them around and injuring everybody that I come into contact with mm-hmm. because I happen to be sad or angry mm-hmm. or even really happy on a given day. 
Like there's a sensitivity to walking into a room. I mean, you might be on a high and maybe have been on a high for some time because you've developed a state of happiness where you're feeling very content with where you are in life. A lot of other people are not there. Yeah. And sometimes you can walk into a room and be expressing that, and it's not landing very well with others. That's a really good point. There's a sensitivity needed, right? Well, absolutely. And I think, you know, well, God, to use the example again of the emotions, he was responsible clearly with his emotion. He never, you know, lost his temper, so to speak, where he had no control, you know, and he also was aware and sensitive to the needs of his people and responded to them. And so I think you have that example as well as the ability to manage one's emotions. In fact, this term emotional intelligence, yeah, it's the term really what EQ, it is. emotional intelligence, right. is modeled in the creator. Right, for uh, sure. Th- because emotional intelligence is really two categories. It's self-awareness and social awareness. It's the ability to become self-aware, to be in tune with your own emotional life. And then secondly, to be socially aware, to be in tune to the emotions of others. So for example, you are not an emotionally intelligent person if you waltz into a funeral and tell a joke. <laughs> hey, everybody, and this is beautiful weather today. Or crack a beer or something. Oh, seriously. So you're totally... It's been done, right? <laughs> I'm sure it's been done. Wedding crashers, right? You, you, you walk into a wedding or a funeral, you've got to respect the nature and the tenor of, of the emotions sure. around you. So it, even with a friend, a friend's going through a really hard time you know it's I, I've, I've been around people like this where you know someone will like lose a sibling or a parent and out of like this total disconnection they'll try to resonate or identify with them by saying yeah you know what I I know how you feel I lost my goldfish a couple weeks ago oh, and you're like boy. oh man you have no idea no talk clue. about no social awareness so emotional intelligence is the ability to number one feel your emotions to validate those emotions, but also to rein them in, in a socially responsible yeah. way because of other people's emotions. Right. It's reading the room. It's, it's identifying people. So can I say something might stir the pot here? <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, we, Ben and I have already determined that in this podcast, we're going to be, we're going to tell you stuff and it's going to rub some people the wrong way and it's okay, but we want to make you think. Our hope is that you'll hang with us and be willing to wrestle with even somewhat <laughs> controversial things. But I was reading this week, Ben, uh, some research that came out mm. and it talks about, um, emotional intelligence related to politics Oh, and it's super interesting stuff because the argument they make is that, um, the, the, the more extreme somebody is politically and even, religiously and that's far right or far left Mm -hmm. the lower the eq or emotional intelligence they have and you can imagine that's you know there's hand wringing and people out there who don't like to hear that but my experience validates that honestly Mm -hmm. i have found you know that the more somebody becomes self-aware and socially aware they grow in empathy yeah and that empathy allows them to see different perspectives, to appreciate people's point of views. And certain black and white things aren't as black and white anymore. They're more gray. And you see variations of gray. And so that that validates people like me that consider themselves to be more centrist or moderate. Yeah. You know, and I I would be that way. And I've kind of felt like I didn't have a voice. And a lot of us don't have a voice, but in reality, if that research is true. And my experience backs that up, and maybe yours does too, Mm -hmm. Ben. Then as we become more aware, more intuitive, we become more empathetic, and we begin to see different perspectives, and we become more centrist or moderate in our perspectives on things. And so I know that's a bit controversial, but that rings true for me in my experience. Does it ring true for you? Well, to add into what you're saying, you know, empathy is a huge buzzword today. Mm -hmm. You know, love and empathy. Like, that's all we need more of. If you go Mm -hmm. in and look at 
the message that culture is sending through media, arts, entertainment. I mean, that's really the message, right? As long as we, if we just love more and have more empathy and are willing to get into everyone else's story, understand where they're coming from, then we'll be fine. Like we can fix all the ills of society. Mm. You know, this is, this is a bit controversial too. There's, we'll put this in the show notes. There's a book by Paul Bloom, who's a Yale professor called Against Empathy. Mm. Can empathy actually go too far? Wow. You know, people like Brene Brown have made a huge living mm-hmm. on the topic of empathy. Right. You know, and and I wouldn't necessarily say that she's in the category of saying that's all we need more of. Mm-hmm. But it's a huge conversation, a topic. Can empathy go too far? Can we get so much into someone else's story that we become accepting of things that are actually not good or healthy for them mm. or society as a whole? See, that's and that's where that's a great point. And this is, this is again, so good because Ben and I have different perspectives on this. Um, you know, I come from a different background. He comes from a different background. And so uh, where I come from a background of wanting to really embrace these emotions and to lean into people's stories and perhaps even over empathize, the reality is that you can empower people or enable them. You know, you really can in a negative, destructive way. So there is limits to empathy and it becomes, and that's why I think I like this research is that empathy actually should drive us to a place of moderation to where there are two factors at play here. There is what's called grace and there's truth. The empathy is grace. It's the ability to lean in and to hear somebody's story and have empathy for them and compassion for them. Yeah, to carry the difficult. That's right. To walk with them in the struggle. Right. And and we agree grace always comes first. Not necessarily being affirming of everything that's going on for them or whatever, but being able to enter in a a right and appropriate type of way. Right. But then the truth has to come in, that there's a truth, there's a counterbalance, there's a check. Where basically it's like, you know, it's good to, you know, empathy has been called secret sauce. It goes on everything, you know, (laughs) it does go on everything and there's a need for empathy. And I'll say there's a vast need for empathy in our society today. I mean, just look at the politics and what's happening today. Greater empathy is is a need, but I would agree with you that it can go too far if there's no truth attached to it. So again, we're talking balance. Use the word balance, moderation, whatever it might be, that seems to be the best place to live when it comes to emotions. The ability to validate emotion and to encourage it in others, to lean into it, but also to hold it in balance with truth and to make sure that truth always has a place in that conversation. Let me me share another uh, illustration with you. I, I remember teaching a class and I asked the students in class, and I want Ben, you to speak to this, but I asked them this interesting question. I said, how many of you would feel like you're being a burden to somebody if you shared your story with them. Oh, wow. And all the hands went up. Mm. I kid you not. Every hand was like, I'd be a burden if I, if I let my emotions out and shared my Mm. story with other people. Then I said, okay, let me ask you another question. How many of you would feel burdened by somebody else opening up and sharing their story with you? And none of the hands went up. Wow. So to me, I was like, that is an incredible example. The fact that we live with this sort of, interpretation or view that any anybody with my emotions they can't handle my emotions and i would be a burden to people if i told them my story and i felt my emotions the whole range of emotions they couldn't handle it and they don't want it mm-hmm. when in reality everybody in that class said they do want it and they can handle it 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 the problem is us yeah we're the ones who think that people can't handle our emotions so there's got to be this place where we can go with people in a safe environment to tell our stories to express our emotions and find people that are safe people who can accept those emotions and integrate those emotions and relate to those emotions so this once again comes back to the idea of balance in my world ben 
it, 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 there was too little emotion. People were way more guarded, mm. really too careful to ever share anything that was honest or open. Yeah. Vulnerability was not valued. I grew up in a world in which everyone kept the cards close to their vest yeah. and everyone had to play strong and no one could really be honest. And that's not healthy. Maybe you grew up in a world in which it was just too much emotion. It's just too much. And and we've got yeah. to, there's a time where you need to sort of like, difference between vulnerable and naked, right? Yeah. Don't need to be naked all the time. You'd be vulnerable, but wear something for Don't be sake. naked and not know that other people are seeing that you're absolutely naked, but you're the only one that doesn't know it. Yeah. The, the emperor with no clothes, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You don't know it. So flinging around your emotions. Yeah. That's emotional intelligence <laughs> is the ability to rein in your own emotions, to feel yeah. those emotions, but control them, manage them. See? Yeah. Take emotion. responsibility for them. That's it. Emotional intelligence. If you want to be emotionally intelligent, growth junkies, it's about four things. On the self side, it's about being intuitive and aware of your own emotions. But secondly, managing those emotions. Yeah. That's that's emotional intelligence. On the other side, socially, it's being aware of and intuiting the emotions of others, but also be able to manage their emotions. That's emotional intelligence. So it's not just identifying emotions, it's managing those emotions yeah. internally and externally. And that's, you know, loving God, like we say in, in the four dimensions, loving God with our heart, you know, is learning and growing in how to have a healthy emotional life like mm -hmm. Kent just described it. You know, I came across, and I've shared this with you, uh, a video a while back. It was produced by Google uh, for when Google Play first came out. And it's about the heart. And we'll put this in the show notes as well for, mm -hmm. for the listeners that uh, it's an amazing uh, montage of what it's like to have a heart. Mm. And man, I'm so glad that God created us with an emotional life and created us with a heart because life without a heart or without emotions would be simply boring and dry. That's right. I mean, we'd be robots. Yeah. You know, I think I mentioned this in a previous show, you know, that my son came to me recently and asked me, you know, dad, what's the purpose of emotions? And I said, well, God's given them to us to help us experience life. Mm. And it really is the link. It is the, the critical link to relationship, mm -hmm. like you fully described of, can I take my emotions into a relationship with another person and share them and them actually care about that? Mm -hmm. And that is our link to relationship That's right. is, is the heart, the emotional life. And then in that, you'll share thoughts, you'll process things, you'll reason through things together. Mm -hmm. But that's more in the in the mind space or the intellectual space. But the heart is really our link to a relationship. Yeah, and that's a great point to end on, actually. Um, the heart is where emotional processing happens. And you know what Jesus said, love the Lord your God with your heart. Uh, we really believe he's speaking in terms of emotions in the sense of loving him with your feelings. I mean, how do you how do you express love? Mm. It's, it's one thing to say, I love you in a robotic way, but it's another thing to, to show somebody or make them feel you love them. So there's an emotional aspect of this. And so we actually, in our Four Dimensions workbook, our personal development experience, we get into 10 different subjects in this particular category or dimension of human health, the emotional category. And so there are 10 subjects that you can process and work through. And so if you're interested, you can get that workbook on Amazon and work through this with us as we talk about the content. And we're actually gonna go through those various topics in weeks to come. And you can come along with us if you wanna get a copy. Um, you are listening to the, the Growth Junkies podcast and Ben and I are the co-founders of the Love and Transformation Institute. You can find out more about us and what we're trying to do um, around the country and around the world at loveandtransformation.org. You can sign up for our weekly communication on there. Um, you can make a donation because we're a nonprofit organization. And we are the ones who are uh, putting on this podcast to try to help folks like you who want to grow like us. 
We are interested in serious growth and we hope you are too. And so we invite you to come along in future Growth Junkies podcasts.